Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hello and welcome back to another episode. Today, I am excited to be sharing with you a couple of ideas that I think can help people move forward from addiction, away from these old patterns, and for a wife to know how to navigate this with, you know, in, in a relationship with somebody who's struggling, there's a couple of thoughts that I want to share in that regard as well. And so in terms of moving forward and away from addiction, there's some very interesting research that I want to share with you that I think can totally transform how people approach this. Because what happens so often is when a husband, when a man slips back into the addiction and goes back into these old patterns, so often what happens is they'll be so hard on themselves, they'll be so critical, they'll judge themselves, they'll shame themselves, and just feel not only bad because they slipped, but they feel then even worse about themselves and who they are as a person as a result of how they treat themselves. And so I think whenever I'm working with somebody in this situation, what I've found is that when somebody is really self-critical and judgmental and self-shaming, if I ever ask them what the purpose of that is, what's their intention behind that? Because self-criticism is just a strategy, right? It's a means to an end. And usually, almost every time I ask that question to a husband, they'll say, well, the, I, I want to make sure that I'm not going to do this again, so I'm just going to really berate myself and be so hard on myself so that I don't keep repeating these same mistakes. Because the harder I am on myself, the idea is that I'm just going to get away from doing this bad behavior. And so a lot of times people learn this strategy from how they were treated as kids. If they had a standard of perfection or, you know, parents came down on them if they weren't doing as good of a job, that's just kind of what was modeled to them about how to treat somebody else when mistakes are made. And if it doesn't come from the family, right, if it doesn't come from your parents, then it can come from any other way, right? Sometimes people kind of just jump to that logical conclusion the harder I am on myself, the less like I'm likely I'm going to do the thing that is that I shouldn't be doing. And so they did some research out of Duke University about this idea of self-compassion and what the difference would be if somebody was compassionate with themselves versus somebody who's critical with themselves when they're trying to overcome a bad habit or a behavior that they're trying to avoid. And so what they did was at the university, they brought in a group of body conscious women and they had all of them eat a donut. And then they made them drink a full glass of water. So they felt as full as possible and just felt as, you know, as bad as they could. And they, at that point, brought them into another room to do a, a candy taste testing sample, like to sample some candies. And so what they did was after they ate the donut, they filled them up with water. So they're all just like feeling gross. And they said, take as many of these candies as you need in order to evaluate them. And what they found was that there was, they split them up into two groups. And the one group of women, after they eat the donut, drink the water, they just feel awful. They're hard on themselves. They think like, you know what, what the heck? I've already just, I've already given in. I might as well just kind of have as many candies as I want. And so what they found was that the women who 
had not received a message of self-compassion responded very differently when it came to how many candies they ate. And so the one group of women didn't receive any message. It's just like, have as many candies as you want to in order to evaluate them. The other group of women received a very subtle and short message that said, by the way, we've noticed that some people feel bad about eating the donut, and you might too. People indulge sometimes in donuts and they break their diet, but don't be too hard on yourself. And then what they did was the researcher left the room and the women who received that very small message of, you know what, this happens sometimes, don't be too hard on yourself. You might feel bad, but just go easy. Those women ate fewer than half the candy that the women who in the group who did not receive a message of self-compassion. So in other words, so the, the numbers were the women who didn't receive the message of self-compassion ate 70 grams of candy versus only the 28 for the women who did. And keep in mind that a single piece of candy in this study was three grams. And so 70 pieces of candy is a lot of candy to be eating, especially after you eat a donut. But the women who just had 28 grams, it was because they received a message of self-compassion. Now this goes in, this is very counter Uh, this is paradoxical or counterintuitive that the more you are compassionate on yourself, the less you engage in the behavior that you don't want to be engaged in. And so the idea behind me sharing this is I want people to understand for the husbands who are struggling, it's critical to understand that the harder you are on yourself, the more pain you get into, the more emotional pain you feel, which ultimately sets you right back up to go back into the same pattern because the pattern of watching pornography or some other sexual acting out is so often a coping mechanism. And so if you're in pain and you watch porn to cope and then you beat yourself up because you've slipped back into this old pattern that you're trying to get away from, the harder you are on yourself, the more you set you get set right back up to feel awful, which then your brain will take and say, well, okay, I know how to deal with this. I know how to distract myself from this pain. They'll go right back into the addiction. The other approach, if you were to take, which would be an acknowledgement of like, you know what? Okay, I made a mistake. This isn't what I wanted to have happen. Don't be too hard on yourself. Just recommit, get back on track and keep going. Some message like that, some message of self-compassion. That will be such a key factor in avoiding staying stuck in the, in the, in the pattern of addiction, in the addiction cycle. And this is again, so counterintuitive, but it's critical to understand that self judgment is a strategy that you're employing ultimately in an attempt to not keep going back to the same cycle. Self-compassion has been proven through multiple research studies, it is a far more effective strategy to get out of the cycle of addiction and into back into your values and back onto the track that you want to be on so you can keep making progress down that path. And so a very common concern when people talk about this or when people hear this is, well, if I go easy on myself, then I'm basically just giving myself permission and I'm just going to be lax and I'll fall back into it. The key thing to understand is that it is not the shame that helps you make better decisions. It's not the guilt 
that helps you make better decisions. It's the lesson. The lesson helps you make better decisions once you realize what went wrong and what you need to put back in place in order to make sure that that slip doesn't happen in that way anymore. So it's hard to imagine that self-compassion will be will 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 engender that, but self-compassion is not the same thing as self-licensing. Really what it comes down to is it comes down to who we think we really are. If we think that we're the kind of person who cannot be trusted, if we're the if we think that we're the kind of person who has no idea what our goals are and we we're not in touch with and don't know what our values are, or our values are these negative things, then we're going to question ourselves and we're going to be less likely to forgive ourselves because the fear is I'm the kind of person that does this. This is who I am at my core. Therefore, I can't trust myself. Therefore, I cannot forgive myself. I need to make sure I'm on top of my issue by beating myself up so I don't fall back into these old patterns because that's who I am. The reality And I did an episode a couple episodes back, and this is, again, it reinforces this idea. I did an episode that really fills this out. The reality is, if you feel bad after you slip back into these old patterns and habits and go back into the addiction, it is clear evidence that that is not who you are because you feel bad about it. Our emotional home base is one of peace. It's one of confidence. It's one of feeling at ease and happy and fulfilled. That is home base for people. We are designed to, we want to be happy. That's like a core fundamental for for anybody is like nobody likes to feel depressed. Nobody likes to feel anxious. And so whenever we act out of alignment with who we are, that's when we feel bad. Whenever we do something that is in alignment with who we are, that's when we feel good. We feel fulfilled. We feel happy. We feel complete. So if I'm doing something that is like serving somebody else or having a good conversation or taking care of somebody or developing my habits, uh, developing my hobbies, having positive habits in place, I'm going to feel fulfilled. I'm going to feel good about who I am. I'm going to be on such a different track emotionally than if I'm doing things that are out of alignment with my values. And so if you're feeling bad, again, that is clear evidence that that is not who you are and so starting to think in those terms can help you to see the real version of you is the one that when you're feeling good you reflect on when you feel best when you feel most fulfilled what are you doing that will give you a better answer as to what your values are and the kind of person that you are and so recognizing you don't have to beat yourself up all you want to do is get the lesson and then adjust your approach That's the way for people to exit this shame spiral, which pulls them, again, exiting the shame spiral will also pull you out of the addiction cycle. So it's so helpful to relax into the idea that it's okay to go easy on yourself. It's okay to forgive yourself. And so I want to really clarify when I say go easy on yourself, that is not synonymous with it's okay to give yourself a pass and not put in the work. It's okay to acknowledge, yes, we all have flaws. Yes, we're human beings and we're not going to be perfect. That is not the same thing as giving yourself permission or license to keep struggling because maybe it's hard sometimes. Because a wife might also wonder, well, does that mean that I should go easy on him? 
Does that mean that I shouldn't have hard conversations with him because I don't want him to feel bad? And the answer to that is no. Like you should be clear about what you require in the relationship that you're in. You should be clear and firm about the boundaries about what is and is not appropriate and what kind of marriage that you do want to participate in. You can do that. You can require that work is done. You can require that a certain standard of the relationship is upheld. And you can do that from a position of compassion and clarity. And it doesn't have to be coming from a position of rage or anger. Because I I work with so many women who don't like how it feels when they get angry. They don't like how it feels to fly off the handle and turn into somebody who they're really not. And so recognizing that going easy on yourself, maybe there's a different phrase we can use uh, to be more clear. Recognizing that being compassionate with yourself does not mean you go easy on your standards and requirements and desires for the relationship. And so what that means is you can choose as a wife how you show up in the relationship. If you don't like how it feels to get angry, that's something that that you can work on on your side to then say, well, how do I want to show up instead if it's not in anger? Well, I want to be firm. I, I want to be compassionate with myself. I want to be compassionate as a person. And I want to make sure that I'm clear about my expectations in being in this relationship. So then if you're clear about how you want to show up in the relationship, you can then operate in that way, which will then feel good for you. And at the same time, make sure that the standards are clear and communicated and upheld. So it's not licensed to just keep doing the same thing and like, oh, there's no consequences because I just want to go easy on him. That's not what we're saying with this. We do want there to be follow through. We do want there to be work done. And we want there to be these standards in the relationship that are upheld. And so what you might do instead is you articulate what is the expectation. And if the expectation is you'll never ever slip again, that's different than because if he's in a phase of his process where he does not have the tools to not slip, there are a lot of guys that I work with who as they're learning, a slip might happen. And I've heard from so many women who say, if my husband is humble and acknowledges that there are mistakes that are made and he's not going to lie and hide it, I can work with that. No, I don't want him to slip. But I recognize that as he's learning and as he's developing new ways to cope with his own negative self-image, as he's learning ways to cope with his own trauma or cope with a sense of loneliness or fear or inadequacy, he might turn back to old patterns and habits But if he's willing and taking an active approach and working on this and he's not hiding and lying it from lying, hiding it from me and lying and he's he's doing the work necessary, I can work with that. Do I want him to slip? Of course not. But as he's learning, if that's what happens occasionally and he's then putting into place the tool or the strategy to make sure it doesn't keep happening in that way, like I can work with that. And so what we do instead is we communicate what the standard is. We communicate that the standard is, I want to be in a relationship with somebody who's working on themselves. I want to be in a relationship with a husband who is willing to acknowledge when he makes a mistake, who's willing to acknowledge that there is a struggle and a problem that needs to be dealt with and he's actively working on it. And he's communicating with me all along the way 
He's keeping me in the light. I don't have to wonder about what's going on because he's sharing it with me. That's the kind of relationship that I want to be in. So we can communicate that. And if there is a slip, the expectation is that it will be addressed directly and that he will do the work necessary to understand why it happened and then put whatever needs to be in place in place and then communicate that with his wife. And then progress can happen. Progress can continually happen when he's adjusting and making approach and, and changing his approach to make sure that he's on the right track and he's letting her in all along the way. And so a, a wife can have the expectation that he does that work. And if he isn't doing that work, then she can decide how she wants to move forward in the relationship. Because many women I work with will say, well, if my husband's not willing to do the work, if he doesn't care about making progress, if he's not acknowledging that this is a problem, if he does acknowledge it's a problem, but it's not doing anything about it, then the way that I'm going to show up in the relationship is I, I'm not going to feel safe enough to really open up and have the kind of trust and connection and closeness with him that I want to have. Or she might say, I might not feel safe enough to be intimate with him because if he's not doing the work, for me to be intimate with somebody, it requires me to trust them and to be close to them and emotionally open and for us to be present with each other. So for me to be intimate just does not fit in this current setting without the emotional safety or the work that's being done to create it. So the wife can decide, listen, I'm going to show up in their relationship in this way. And this is the kind of marriage I want to be in. And if you want to participate with me, I would love that. I want that more than anything else. And what that looks like is the work needs to be done. So I think we can still be compassionate in a marriage. We can be, we can be compassionate with ourselves, which sets the stage for them to do the work. Compassionate doesn't mean they get a pass and okay, it's not that big of a deal. And I guess it doesn't matter. Like that is not at all what compassion means. Compassion means how we speak to ourselves. We are acknowledging, okay, a mistake was made. I'm not going to beat myself up. Instead, I'm going to identify exactly what happened and exactly what I need to do to correct this so it doesn't keep happening in the same way again because I, I want to make progress. Progress is important to me. That's what I value. And me taking those steps will allow me to do that. So what that might look like in action, I remember, I remember working with a client who when he got triggered, there was very little time between the trigger and his reaction. So he would get triggered and then very, very quickly would uh, would pull up something inappropriate on his phone. And so he started to learn this idea of self-compassion. And after a slip, he would be compassionate with himself and say, listen, I, you know, I, I know I, I did this thing that I, I committed to myself that I wouldn't do. I feel awful about this, but I'm going to be, I, I want to go easy on myself. And instead of just beating myself up with shame, Instead, I'm going to identify, listen, I, these values of having porn out of my life is a core value of mine. I want to have freedom. I want to be connected. He was able to tap back into his values, which allowed him to recenter on this path of, okay, let's keep making progress. Now, what do I need to do in order to make sure I'm acting in alignment with these values? And for him, the strategy was, I need to become more mindful. I need to become more present Instead of trigger, react, it's trigger, then take a step back, 
and observe how my body's feeling, observe the tension that I might feel, observe the craving or the physiological response to the trigger, and just breathe into that. Because the more I can just breathe and sit in that feeling, the more it will dissipate. And so he started a, a, a consistent practice of being mindful. The app that I recommend people, you know, any anybody that I work with, there's a bunch of different ones. There's like, there's an app called Calm, but the one that I really like is called Headspace. And so I said, listen, I think Headspace will go a long way with you if this goal is to develop mindfulness and be able to extend the extend the time between trigger and action. Mindfulness is the key. And so he was compassionate with himself. He picked up this app made a consistent practice out of it. And that was one thing that transformed that moment in time so that instead instead of the trigger that led to the slip, there would be a trigger, there would then be space for him to just process that, which allowed that trigger to ultimately diminish and disappear so he didn't keep acting on it. So it was not the shame that helped him make progress in that moment. It was the self-compassion which opened up the door for him to identify what tool do I need? What practice do I need to integrate? And in this case, it was mindfulness, which then allowed him to step out of that old cycle and ultimately align with his core values and become the person that he wanted to become. And that one practice was a massive part of what, of what helped him in his process of healing. So in summary, it's so critical to be compassionate with yourself and recognize when we make mistakes that there is room for us to acknowledge that we've gone off course, remind ourselves not to be too hard on ourselves, and then recommit to get back on course and figure out what tool is necessary, what approach is necessary in order for us to be successful moving forward in that situation again. And so I would encourage you wherever you are in your process, to take the time to think about, and one way that you can do this, one easy way to figure out, okay, well, what do I say to myself? I wanna be compassionate with myself, but I don't even know where to begin. What would you say to a really good friend who came to you and said, I made a big mistake, or I slipped, or I lost my temper, or I treated my spouse bad, or I was too hard on my kids. What would you say to a really good friend who came to you feeling bad, and said, listen, I, I dropped the ball here. That's often a very good starting point. You would say something like, you know what? I know the kind of person that you are. I know you care about your kids. If you yelled at your kids and you lost your temper, I know you're the kind of dad that cares. Sometimes we lose our temper as parents. Don't be too hard on yourself. Just go back and remind your kids that you love them. Remind yourself that you care about them and you have their best interests at heart and you're not going to be perfect, but you really do care. Some message like that, let's say, that's just the parenting example, but you take any example, any circumstance, think about how would you talk to a good friend that's often one of the best starting points for being compassionate with yourself, which then allows you to get back involved with being the kind of person that you want to be and finding the tool that you need in that moment to make sure that you can keep making progress. So I would encourage you to take some time and think about what you might want to say to yourself and then start implementing this as soon as possible so you can truly start to feel some relief in this mo- in those moments when mistakes are made, which can then, like I said, open up the door to making progress in a very, very different way. So again, I hope this helps, and I look forward to speaking to you guys next week. Take care. 
Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.